Well, hi, this is Pastor Mitch Horton with the Victory Church Weekly Podcasts. I've been pastor here at Victory Church since 1994, and I've been teaching and preaching God's Word for over 42 years. In my podcast, I want to take time to share biblical concepts with you, breaking them down in a way that's meaningful, easy to understand, and will help create a strong foundation for your spiritual growth. I want to see you grow closer to God, and I firmly believe that if you'll take the principles I teach and apply them to your life, that you'll start to see God moving in your life like never before. Thank you so much for listening. Enjoy the podcast. Well, I'm so glad to be with you again today on our Victory Church weekly podcasts. I hope you're doing well. And, uh, you know, we're living in such a topsy-turvy time. Uh, Who was that? Rudyard Kipling, maybe? Um, A Tale of Two Cities. I started out by saying it's the best of times, worst of times. Well, we're certainly certainly seeing that today, aren't we? Uh, You know, every week it seems like uh, things get crazier and crazier. But good news is that you and I uh, live in a kingdom called the kingdom of heaven, and it's actually going to be manifesting on earth. That's an exciting idea and thought. Jesus said the kingdom of heaven is within us. So we're operating in a kingdom uh, unlike the kingdom of this world that constantly morphs, constantly changes. We live in a kingdom that cannot change with a very, very firm foundation. So uh, let's get right into this. Um, uh, God gave, gives me words and has been for some time now a word that would define the year we're going into. And for the year 2024, he gave me the word foundations. So let me again, I've shared this before, but I'll share this a few times. Let me give you the definition for foundations, because as we get into the year, we're going to look at the varying foundations of life. So here we are, the basis or groundwork of anything is a definition for foundations. The moral foundation of both society and religion is another um, definition. Uh, Second definition is the natural or prepared ground or base on which some structure rests. It's the foundation synonyms or important if you really want to explore the various dimensions and meanings of a word. So here are some synonyms for the word foundation, ABCs, authority, base, basics, bedrock, bottom, bottom line, brass tacks, foot, footing, ground, groundwork, uh, infrastructure, uh, nuts and bolts, root, stay, substratum, substructure, support, underpinning, understructure. Those are some of the some of the synonyms for uh, the word foundation. So again, we're going to be we're going to be examining the foundations of life this year. Psalm 11 verse 3, uh, again, if the foundations are destroyed, what can the righteous do? So again, there's, a, there's an assault on the very foundation of living uh, spiritually, financially, sexually, and family relationships, morals, manhood, womanhood, marriage, values, and, and anything else, right? So uh, I've been talking about that for, for a few weeks now in our services at Victory Church. Um, and, you know, I, I was reminded of the Lord uh, here a couple of Sundays ago that uh, the book of Hebrews mentions a time of shaking uh, that will come upon the earth, and and it describes uh, the shaking that God gave to the world on Mount Sinai when He when He um, uh, gave uh, the Ten Commandments 
uh, to Moses. I, in fact, gave him the law, the sacrifices, the the priesthood, and and then God and and the people couldn't even go up to the mountain where Moses was there in the book of Exodus because the power of God was so strong and and there was thundering and lightning. It, it was it's tumultuous and felt like an earthquake and. And God was invading human life, human territory. And God invaded human territory with himself and gave us the Ten Commandments uh, and, again, gave us a, a, a way to live. And uh, here we are just before Jesus returns. Jesus has come. Jesus is returning. And, boy, things are going to shake again, much like Mount Sinai shook there uh, when Moses was on it and the people, the Israelites, were afraid. Hebrews 12, 25, See that you do not refuse him who speaks, for if they did not escape who refused him, who spoke on earth, much more shall we not escape if we turn away from him who speaks from heaven, whose voice then shook the earth, but now he has promised, saying, Once more I shake not only the earth, but also heaven. And then verse 27, Hebrews 12, now this once more indicates the removal of things that are being shaken, as of things that are made, that the things which cannot be shaken may remain. Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom which cannot be shaken, let us have grace by which we may serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear, for our God is a consuming fire. So again, uh, the shaking today is causing people to question everything. Anything that's been standardized in the past is being called into question. And, and again, there's a shaking in the kingdom of God, even with respect to, to uh, churches and their mission and how they do things. And, and so again, uh, I'm, we're going to talk about foundations this year, talk about all kinds of things. We'll, we're going to discover uh, family, life, marriage, we're going to talk about the foundations of our faith. Uh, we're, today, I want to begin talking here about the foundations of church life. And there again, um, there's a shaking in church life. And, you know, uh, almost four years ago when COVID hit, caused a great shaking really worldwide. And churches were affected in a tremendous way. And you really found it in that shaking who had faith and who didn't, who would yield to fear and who wouldn't, whose life was based on God's word and um, whose life was really moved and swayed by the circumstances around them. My friend, there's a whole lot more shaking coming. So that's the reason that you and I need to be grounded in the word of God. I made a decision when I was a young man, and I'm so glad that the Lord led my life and dealt with me the way that he did over all of these years of living. I made a decision way back when I made Jesus Lord uh, 47 and a half years ago in 1976 that I was going to base my life on the standard of God's word. I wasn't going to base my life on thought. I wasn't going to, although I'm a thinking person, but I'm going to put God's word above my own thinking. I'm not going to base my life on emotions or other people's opinion. I'm not going to base my life on the circumstances I see around me. I made a choice that I'm going to base my life on the word of God. And the reason I did that was um, Isaiah 33, 6 says, wisdom and knowledge will be the stability of your times and strength of salvation. See, the word of God is, is spiritual strength to uh, us. And then Jesus said in, in Matthew 24, 35, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. So again, God's word, Isaiah, uh, I'm sorry, Psalm 119, uh, says, uh, God's word is forever settled established, fixed, some translations bear, in heaven. So again, 
God's word never changes. And you know, if I, if I make a choice to base my life on God's word, I'm going to stand through thick and thin when things are good and things are not good, when things happen and when things don't happen, when changes are occurring and when shaking's going on. I'm going to be able to remain stable. Will it be a challenge? Of course. Uh, will it move me? Perhaps. But you know what? If I base my life on the word of God, I know that regardless of what comes, I'm going to make it and I'm going to be able to endure through the end. So let's talk a little bit about church life. Churches have changed over the past number of years. When I came to Jesus, the charismatic movement was in uh, really in full force uh, in the 60s, the 70s. When I came to Jesus, the 80s. And then in the 90s, uh, actually, um, uh, Rick Warren published a book called The Purpose Driven Church in the mid-90s. I read that book on the way to Siberia and back of all places, and I understood what he was saying. He was saying that don't be religious in your, in your approach to people. Understand where they are and what they need. But the problem with that is over the years since that book, the church extrapolated out of what he said an ideology of seeker sensitiveness in our church services. And so with that eventuation came of uh, being seeker sensitive. Uh, boy, I mean, the water, word of God got watered down in a huge way in local churches. And it got to the point that, you know, we're, we don't want to offend people. We want to do everything to draw people. And that is not the mission that Jesus gave the church. The Apostle Paul said it best when he said, preach the word. Jesus said, go and make disciples of all nations. He didn't say, go and be like other nations. He didn't say, become friendly to all nations. He said, go and make disciples of all nations. The idea is a disciple is one who is being taught, one who is learning, one who is watching someone else and replicating what they're doing. And that's what Jesus told the church to do. We've turned that thing around and now the society is swaying the church, much to the chagrin of, of, uh, of our spiritual forefathers. So again, God's asking us in this time of shaking. Yes, that I think there is a time of shaking in the church world now. And I think God is asking us to come full, come full circle back to the mission and the reason that the church exists. There is a shaking in the kingdom of God. And, you know, um, if we're going to survive the years that are to come before Jesus comes back, we need to come back to uh, square center on the word of God. And churches need to be following the mandate that Jesus gave us and spoke to us about in so many clear terms through people like the Apostle Paul and the Apostle Peter. We'll get into those things in just a little bit. So again, uh, the local churches, I want to I focus in today on the local church and talk about why the, in church, why the church is, is important to you. A lot of people during COVID stopped coming to church. You know, church online became just as in vogue as, as coming in, uh, into, a, into a building and meeting with other uh, believers. Let me also say that a church is not the building. I get that. We are the church that is the individuals in the body of Christ make up the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. So again, um, uh, COVID emphasized uh, the idea of attending multiple churches online and enjoying a lot more content than you would get if you just went to your local church, etc. But see, it did that at the expense of relationships. 
and see relationships actually aid spiritual growth. So when, when I go into, a, I call it hard copy church, that is, I'm there with people, and we've got a group of believers together, there are, there are dynamics that are happening there that'll never happen when you're by yourself at home. You're not going to be able to think about others instead of yourself when you're by yourself. When you're with others, you know what, the gift and, and the talents that God has innately placed in you when you were born and when you were born again, they can come, they can come out and they can be used. It's really hard uh, for God to use your gifts or to use my gifts when I choose to remain alone and not connected to other people. And that's the value of the local church in a community. Again, it's hard to grow spiritually when I'm alone. I can grow spiritually in the context of, of relationships. So we can get all kinds of information online, but be aware that information does not translate into personal transformation. Let me say it again. <laughs> information does not translate into personal transformation without relationships. So the bottom line, we need church services. We need personal church services. We need to be a part of a local church. So some questions that that no, this kind of uh, thinking fosters are as follows. Um, I wonder what God says about all the changes in the local church the past number of decades, particularly in America. Uh, why does the church exist? Why do I need to be a part of a local church? Can I be a good Christian without being a committed member of a local church? Can, can I just listen to ministry on Facebook and on the websites I find and be just as good a Christian as I could be if I was going to a, to a church in my community? So see, those are questions. Those are, are valid questions that people are asking those questions. Uh, is it okay to have several churches that I attend and not really commit to any one of them, just go from church to church? Um, so what am I supposed to get out of going to church? How often should I attend church? These are uh, the kinds of questions I want to talk about. I won't get done today, um, but but we will be talking about this, let me, about these things. And so as the shaking is going on, there are just some things we need to be aware of. And uh, uh, the first one is this. There are two uh, fundamental um, institutions, I guess you could say, that that God has uh, put his stamp of approval on in human society. The first one is, is marriage and family, marriage God's way, marriage based on the relationship between a man and a woman as, 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 as found in the Bible. And, you know, of course, Genesis chapter 2, let me just read this again, verse 21. See, God established marriage and family, okay, marriage between a male who is the father and a female who is a mother. And see, that's a foundational element in culture. Genesis 2.21, and the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall on Adam, and he slept, and he took one of his ribs, closed up the flesh in its place. Then the rib which the Lord God had taken from man, he made into a woman, and he brought her to the man. And Adam said, wow, no, he said, this is now bone of my bones. And flesh of my flesh. Somebody said when God uh, placed Eve in Adam's life, he said, whoa, man, woman, right? <laughs> Joking, right? <laughs> he said, no, he said, this is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she's taken out of man. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife. 
and they shall become one flesh. Now, God was specifically speaking of a female and male joined in a relationship called marriage. There is no such thing on God's agenda as a marriage between a male and a male or marriage between a female and a female. That doesn't exist in God's economy of life. No, God established family, and a family has a male father and a female mother. And anything, anybody that says anything differently that, than that has the spirit of Antichrist on them. It's a Marxist, uh, communist theology and, and way of thinking, seeking to, to, to destroy the basic fabric of a culture, which is family, and replace it with something other than God's best and God's design so that, so that children will not be strong and they actually become, they become uh, uh, warrants of the state, I guess you could say. Well, how sad is that? No. I know the Supreme Court in June of 2015 established that our nation uh, can perform marriage, that marriage is also not only uh, the, the uh, union of a man and a woman in marriage, but also a man and a man or a woman and a woman. And it's very sad. Just because the Supreme Court did that doesn't mean that God's word is nullified or ineffective. It just means that our nation has missed God's best, and we're going to get into some deep trouble the further we go into that, and it's already happening, my friends. No God's plan. First, God instituted marriage and the family, marriage based on female mothers, male fathers, uh, that creates a marriage um, where children are born out of the love between a father and a mother, and they're taught to love, respect, and honor God and his kingdom. That's, re that's the reason that uh, God wrote the Shema in the book of Deuteronomy 6, where, and it's quoted constantly. Jesus mentioned in Matthew 22, where, Israel, where God said to Israel in the book of Deuteronomy, Listen, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord alone, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, strength, Jesus again quoted that when people, when the uh, religious people ask him what is the important, most important uh, law that that God gave the Israelites. He said, "Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, strength, and uh, uh, and give yourself wholeheartedly to my commands. Repeat them again and again to your children, and talk about my word." God said, uh, "When you're at home, when you're on the road, when you're going to bed, when you're getting up, all throughout the various things of life, talk about the word of God. Apply the word of God to how." you live your life. And see, that's in the context of family. And when we instill the Word of God in our children when they're young, the Bible says, train up a child in the way he should go. When he's old, he won't depart from it. So that's the reason we need to, well, we need, we need, to, we need to have families that love God, families of male fathers, female mothers that love their children, train their children in the Word of God. That makes a strong community. That makes a strong church. That makes a strong nation. Second, listen, I know I'm talking fast, but I got a lot to say, so hear me out. You can go back and listen to it again. Listen, the second institution that God has set in humankind worldwide is the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus set the church as a force in the world that will manifest his kingdom to those that are living in darkness. The church of Jesus is the light 
in the midst of the darkness, I guess you could say. So let me just say, Lucifer and his crowd, Satan and his crowd, hate holy, Christ-honoring, uh, Bible-teaching, and disciple-making churches. Let me say it again. Satan and his crowd, they hate holy, Christ-honoring, Bible-teaching, disciple-making churches. I mean, and God loves them. So again, God established the church as a force, the force of his kingdom. The church is the salt and light in the world today. Jesus was the light of the world. Jesus was the salt. But you know what? Jesus told his disciples in his absence, you're the light of the world. Now you're the salt of the earth. Don't put something over your light and hide it, but let it be seen by everybody. Then in Matthew chapter 16, Jesus, uh, you know, getting the disciples ready for the time that he's leaving and revealing who he was, he asked them, who do people say I am? And people were saying all things, all kinds of things about Jesus because people were being healed, demons were being cast out, the dead were being raised, and uh, all kinds of things were happening in a miraculous way. And he said, well, who do people say I am as you're walking around? They said, well, some say you're John the Baptist, and then some say you're Elijah, and some say you're Jeremiah, and some say, well, you're just one of those prophets, people, that, that live way back when. And then he said, well, who do you say I am? The Holy Spirit came on Peter, and he said, you are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. And Jesus said, you're blessed, Peter. Because my Father in heaven has revealed a secret to you. You didn't learn this from a human being. The Holy Spirit rose up and told you that. And then Jesus said this to Peter in Matthew 16, 18. I say that you are Peter, and upon this rock I'll build my church, and the powers of hell will not conquer it. There's a play on words. When Jesus used the word Peter, and uh, uh, the, the word Peter, actually the Greek word is Petros, and it's a little rock or a little tiny pebble that you can maybe put in your pocket. And so he said, you are Peter. You're a little pebble, Peter, Jesus said. And upon this rock, and that word for rock is the word Petra. And that's a big rock that you can't put in your pocket. It's a big boulder. He said, Peter, you're a little pebble, but out of your mouth came a great big rock. And what was the big rock that came out of Jesus, of Peter's mouth? It was, you're the Christ, the son of the living God. See, see, that's the basis for being part of the family of God. You've got to confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. And you've got to believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. The Bible says you'll be saved. And when you are, then you become a part of this great big entity called the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. Part of it's in heaven, part of it's in earth. It's an amazing force. Then Jesus said this, and I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Well, he went on to, with Peter and said, I will build my church and the gates or powers of hell won't conquer the church. Now, you know what that tells us? As dark as it gets, as gloomy as it becomes, as challenging as life is, we will always be a force in the earth. That is, the church of Jesus will be a force in the earth worldwide until Jesus snatches us out of here. That's the good news. And then Jesus said, Matthew 16, 19, I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you forbid on earth will be forbidden in heaven. Whatever you permit on earth will be permitted in heaven. You know what he was saying? You know what he was saying? He was saying the church of the Lord Jesus is going to be the power of God in a community. The church of the Lord Jesus is taking Jesus' place. Jesus is in heaven. 
He is the head and we are the body of Christ. And Jesus has given us his authority. When he rose from the dead, just before he ascended to the Father, uh, he said, all authority is given to me in heaven and on earth. You go and make disciples of all nations. And so again, the church is, the church of Jesus, the individual members of the body of Christ are, listen, the power of of God in the earth. We are the only ones on earth that have have authority over the principalities, over the powers, over the rulers of the darkness of this world that are seeking to crowd God out of human life. We are the church of the Lord Jesus. We're a defining force. God wants me and you to be a vibrant part of the church of Jesus. That word church is an interesting word. The Greek word is ekklesia, and it comes out of two Greek words. Ek means out in the Greek language, and ekklesia means to call. So ekklesia are those who are called out, or you could say the ekklesia or the church is an assembly of called out ones or ones that are called out. What are we called out from? We are called out from the world. We're called out from under Satan's tyranny and the bondage of sin. And we've entered into a relationship with God that creates a family called the assembly of called out ones. We are the representatives of Jesus on the earth. Jesus, Peter said in 1 Peter 2, that Jesus is the chief cornerstone. Now, we don't use cornerstones now the way they did in Antioch. Antiquity, but when someone was creating and building a big edifice, uh, a building out of stone, they would lay the cornerstone and every other stone on the walls of that building was, uh, was, was laid in, um, in, in, with the dimensions of the first stone. That is, that first stone determined where the other stones laid and, and, and the direction that they pointed. Jesus is the cornerstone, and then we're individual stones with him. And that's what Peter said, 1 Peter 2, 4, you're coming to Christ, who is the living cornerstone of God's temple. He was rejected by people, but was chosen by God for great honor. And you are the living stones that God's building into his spiritual temple. So see the idea again. See, God dwelt in the holy of holies that was in the tabernacle in the wilderness, firstly in the Old Testament. And then when Solomon's temple was built, there was a place that was partitioned to Corridan off in the back called the Holy of Holies or the holiest of all. That's where the presence of God was. And you and I create the temple of God. We are the temple of God and God's spirit dwells in us individually, but the Holy Spirit also dwells collectively in us as the church. And when the church becomes a force in a community, it's a force for the presence of God in a particular community. So God's plan is that in every church, every community, there are strong churches. There's not just one church in the community. There are a number, bunch of churches in communities because one church is not big enough to contain everybody. And again, as the centuries went from first century, second century, third century, churches started in houses. They were house churches. And then the church kept growing, 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 growing. The houses weren't big enough, so they created church buildings. And some people have, have incorrectly thought that the building was the church. No, we're the church. 
The building's just a container that we meet in. You can meet in a barn and be the church. You can meet in somebody's garage and be a church. You can meet under a tree like I have in Africa, and that church is the church that meets under the great big spiraling oak tree. Or you can be the church that meets in a lean-to. I've been in so many places in Africa and India, and we had lean-tos against buildings, and there we and there we gathered, and we were the church. So the church is not the building. The church is the people regardless. But as the centuries went by, uh, the, the numbers of people that were part of the church were much, much larger, and they, they just created places called buildings where the church could go and meet. You know, I started a church way back in the 80s. Uh, we started that church in my living room, but it got so big, and we had so many, so many children and so many adults that we could no longer fit in my house, so we rented a building. The building we rented was at the church. We're the church. So again, you know, here at Victory Church, we have a building, and we've had to get a bigger, bigger building over the years, and we had several buildings over the years. Those buildings aren't the church. They house the church. So again, again, Jesus wants every one of us to be a vibrant part of a local church, okay? And again, we enforce the church of Jesus. It's what Jesus, let me go back to what Jesus said. Hope you're listening fast because I've got a lot to say. Jesus said, I'll give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you forbid on, on earth will be forbidden in heaven. Whatever you permit on earth will be permitted in heaven. Again, the church of Jesus is the force of God in the earth, and we enforce the will of God on earth, and we point people on earth to God who loves them. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. Whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. So we are, we are the sign of God in the earth. We are those that point needy people to their Savior, the Lord Jesus, and we're called to make a difference in our communities. Again, Jesus called us in the book of Matthew chapter 5. He called us salt. He called us light. And then let me remind you of the prophet Isaiah. In Isaiah 60, Isaiah said, Arise, shine, your light is come. The glory of the Lord is risen upon you. Darkness covers the earth, and deeper gross darkness the people, but the Lord will arise over you, and his glory will be seen upon you. The darker it gets on earth, and as the spirit of Antichrist rises in the earth, and as the eventually the Antichrist, you know, makes a, makes a, a seven-year uh, agreement or treaty with Israel in the seven years of what people typically call tribulation begins. See, see, the church is still a vibrant force. As the darkness rises, the light becomes brighter. That's the plan of God today. Remember that you are part of the universal church of the Lord Jesus Christ, and your life is to be a light. Your light is to be, your life is to be salt. Matthew 5, 14, Jesus said, you're the light of the world. A city set on a hill can't be hidden, nor do they light a lamp and put it under, under a basket, but on a lampstand, and it gives light to all that are in the house. Then he said, let your light so shine among men that they may see uh, your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. See, the church, listen, is an incubator of spiritual life on earth, and it's the plan of God for us to do more than sit on our couch in our pajamas, drinking a cup of coffee, and enjoying something that we've a church that service that we find on the internet. Yes, Victory Church, we have an internet feed. We have plenty of people that watch our internet feed. We, it's on our website. It's on YouTube, and you know what? That and it's on Facebook. That's just fine. But God, that never should be a replacement for me getting my physical body up out of my chair 
putting some clothes on, getting in my vehicle, and meeting with other people. We need to be together as the church of the Lord Jesus because together several things happen. That is, number one, we hear the word together. Secondly, secondly, the gifts and talents that God instills inside of us, they can be used for the benefit of other people. That is, we become unselfish when we gang together, and that's the purpose of God. And then we can encourage each other by just being together. Iron sharpens iron. We need to be together as the church. And then there is a spiritual atmosphere created in any group or gathering that you are part of. And when the church of Jesus gets together, the power of the Holy Ghost is God's plan. The power of the Holy Ghost explode. We've been having some dynamic times in God at Victory Church in our services. And I encourage you, get involved in a church that preaches the word and where the Holy Spirit flows. Let me also remind you from the book of Ephesians chapter 4 that Jesus placed ministry offices in the church. Ephesians 4.11, he himself, Jesus himself, gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers. Why did he place, we call them the ministry offices in the church, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers. Now, the church is founded on the foundation of the apostles and prophets uh, in the New Testament era. And so the apostles of the Lord Jesus, uh, the, the 12 disciples, they actually are the, create the foundations of the church of the Lord Jesus that has existed throughout, uh, throughout the church age. And then the prophets, of course, came in force there as well. So we're founded on the foundation of the information given by both the apostles apostles and prophets of yesteryear. But then also there are ministry offices of apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers today. And, and those ministry offices lead, guide, direct the church, and help all of us to grow spiritually. Again, Jesus put these, these offices in the church. Ephesians uh, 4.12 says, for the equipping, maturing of the saints, for the work of ministry. So the saints can be involved in ministering life to their communities, for the edifying of the body of Christ. So again, let me say it, it's the will of God for every believer to be a committed part of a local church. And let me say this while I'm saying something about the church. It's God's will that every local church should be led by a God-called, Jesus-anointed ministry office called called pastor. So a pastor should be called by God. He's in a ministry office called by God. He's, uh, he's anointed by the Holy Spirit for that particular office. There is an anointing on the local church, and there is anointing on the pastor. You can't call yourself to pastor. Jesus calls pastors and others into the kingdom of God to lead and guide his church. I was 18 and a half years old when God called me to preach. I was in college. I was going to school. I wanted to be a business person. I wanted to make money and raise my family. Very simple. But God called me to, 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 uh, to change my tune and attitude about life. And he called me into the ministry. I, I went and I, I got educated in the word of God. 
I've been to three, three institutions of learning biblically, and you know what? And then God opened and God placed a ministry office in me called pastor, and also I'm also a teacher. So go to a church with a God-called pastor with a specific anointing to love the people or the sheep of the local church. The pastor's the shepherd, and we are the sheep. So again, let me make some comments about the local church. There are so many people... Uh, there's so many people that are doing so much online, and now if you can get a following on Facebook or YouTube, and you can get likes and clicks, and you know you can get you a following, so to speak, then then you can have a say and have a sway in a community and a nation, and then you know sometimes even worldwide. So uh, let me just make some comments about the local church. So again, when a believer say this first, when a believer's committed to Jesus to a Jesus-centered local church. Uh, when a believer's committed, then that believer can grow spiritually and the kingdom of God will expand. See, our whole reason to be here is to share Jesus with people and then have them discipled. Well, again, how are you going to disciple people if you're not a part of a local church? That's the reason the church exists. Go and make disciples of all nations. Um, baptizing them, and Jesus said, in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe what I've commanded you. So again, we need disciple-making local churches that preach and teach the Word. Let me say this in passing here. Uh, the size of the church has nothing to do, listen, with spirituality. So just because a church is big doesn't necessarily mean it's right. And just because a church is medium size or small doesn't mean the church is right. Size of a church, listen, listen, the size of a church has to do with the systems in place in that church. Systems are ways of doing things, you know, on and on and on and on, okay? A system or something that is a standardized way of doing things. Size of a church has to do with the systems in place in that church and with the strategy and principles of leading and marketing. That's what has to do with the size. Size of a church does not have to do with the spirituality of the church. Spirituality in a church has to do with the Word of God, the Holy Spirit's influence, and people who choose love instead of, uh, who, who choose to love God and, and put Jesus first instead of satisfy their flesh cravings in self-centered ways. Let me say it again. Spirituality in a church has to do with the Word of God, the Holy Spirit's influence, and people who choose to love others instead of flat, satisfy their fleshly cravings in self-centered ways. Never equate, listen, never equate church size with spirituality. There are spiritual megachurches and there are carnal megachurches, right? There are spiritual mid-sized churches and there are spiritual carnal uh, uh, and there are carnal mid-sized churches. There are spiritual small churches and there are carnal small churches, right? So, so don't get the size of the church equated with whether it's spiritual or not. That has to do with the content of what they do and how they do life together, right? Don't forget, listen, listen, don't forget that Jesus changed the world with 12 committed people. Those that have turned the world upside down have come hither also, one uh, person said in a community in the book of Acts. Don't forget that Gideon defeated a large army of thousands and thousands of, of people with an army of 300. So see again, the main thing with the church is not the size or the lack of or the smallness. 
but the substance, right? So we just need to be really, really aware of that. Here are 10 things. I'm going to do this quickly and we'll close. Here are 10 things that are important to know about the church. Number one, the church is Jesus' personal work. He oversees and communes with each individual part. The church is not a human organization. It's a spiritual organization. It goes, grows as we obey Jesus. So again, the church is Jesus' personal work. Secondly, local churches have different flavors. Local, what I mean, local churches are like restaurants. No two are exactly alike. You've got one uh, one restaurant uh, that has uh, American cuisine, another one has Chinese cuisine, another one has um, Mexican cuisine, another one has Asian cuisine. So again, churches have different flavors, and and uh, no two are alike. And and God hasn't meant for each church to be a clone of another one. That's not the will of God. Uh, churches are as individual as people are, right? So just be aware. Local churches have different flavors, the different branch offices of the main office in heaven. Number three, churches are not perfect because people are not perfect. I say churches are not perfect because you go there. Victory Church is not perfect because I attend. I'm not perfect, but I want to walk with God. And, you know, churches are not perfect because, you know, we are there and we're flawed people. So, again, if you're looking for a perfect perfect church, you'll have to wait until you get to heaven. Maybe that's what some people are doing. They're going to wait till they get to heaven to be a part of the church. How sad is that? That means they're not making influence here. Number four, there are two churches, the universal church worldwide and then the local church. You know, Jesus said for this cause, I bow my knee to the Father, or Paul said that, of our Lord Jesus Christ, for whom the whole he- uh, earth, uh, family in heaven and earth is named. There's family in heaven, There's family on earth. We're called the local church. The church is in heaven. The church is here. Um, The local church, number five, is a visible representation of the church of Jesus worldwide. So we can understand the fact that we're a part of the universal church all over the world and in heaven by being a part of a local church. It helps us identify with with the kingdom of God and, and with the church of Jesus of which, if you're born again, you are a part. Number six, Jesus wants every believer, listen, to be part of a local church. You don't choose your local church. Jesus deals with us individually deep inside as to where we should go to be a part of a local church. It's not go to the church of your choice. It's go to the church of God's choice for you. And you know that deep inside. Number seven, it's not possible to develop spiritually as you should without on-site involvement in a local church. Let me read that one again. Listen, number seven, it's not possible to develop spiritually as you should without on-site involvement in a local church. Why? Meeting and working with people who are unlike us helps us develop the love of God and, and, and helps move us away from self-centered thinking and living. Working with others in the context of a group of people in a local church challenges the personal self-centeredness in our life. And there's really no spiritual growth. Listen, without growth in love. So if I'm like a hermit in a cave, I'm like a monk in a monastery, okay, years ago. I'm all by myself, and I'm drinking my coffee and eating my donuts, and I'm watching, you know, something I found on the Internet. 
I'm not, I might be hearing stuff, but that doesn't mean I'm growing spiritually. I have to be in the context of people. So, so again, watch this. If you find uh, people in your church that are not like you and that maybe rub you the wrong way, it means, you know what it may mean? It may mean the Father loves you deeply and has put you in a potential environment of growth because we're around people that are not like us, that don't do life like us. It demands change of us. And see, God will sometimes put you in a place where, you know what? The circumstances say, it's time to grow up, trying to change. It's time, time to understand how other people live. And not everybody does life the way you do. And see, that context of living in a local church to help us grow. Number eight, Jesus appoints pastors or shepherds in a local church. These pastors have his heart for people, and um, they have the ministry of a shepherd to sheep. And God's responsibility, the, the pastor's responsibility is, to, is for the spiritual care, the spiritual oversight of each person. So again, you know, events happen in life. We get married, we die, we have problems, we have challenges. We have so much in life and we need help beyond ourselves. When you're by yourself, it's hard to be helped. But you know what? When you're part of a church family, your church family family can love you, can help you, can minister to you. You know, when you're happy, they can be happy. When you're sad, they can be sad. If you need help, they can help you. When you're, when you're sick and infirm and believe in God, they can buoy you up with their faith and believe God with you and can help you while you're recovering. You know, if when you have uh, family members that die, and that's going to happen at some point with all of us. You have people that can surround you, minister to you, and help you. But you know what? It's sad if you're by yourself and life happens and you have nobody to help you because you've not developed any relationships. That's why the local church is so, so, so important. Number nine, God's work on earth today centers around the local church. It's the, the church is the epicenter of activity in the kingdom of God on earth. We need to know that when God does stuff, uh, he does it in the context of the local church. Yeah, there are para-ministries, para-organizations, but the thrust of God in the earth and the thing that keeps the kingdom of God healthy on the earth is the ministry offices that God places in the local church and people working together in the context of the local church. Number 10, lastly, the local church is a training ground for all ministry. In the local church, we learn steadfastness. We learn integrity. We learn to be a person of our, our word. We learn to be faithful. We learn to deny ourselves, take up our cross and follow Jesus, so to speak. And we just learn. We just learn how to get along with others. And we learn how to, how to steward the gifts that God has placed in our lives. And uh, just want to encourage you, if you're not, become a part of a local church. Don't just go and sit and listen. Go and get involved. You know, get involved in the small groups that the church has. Get involved in the relationships with other people. Get involved with volunteering in your local church. If you do, you'll find yourself changing. I often tell people that come to Victory Church, you know, if you'll just hang out with us at least two years, you know, your life will be transformed. You won't be the same. That is, get involved, get in the Word, get in fellowship with others in small groups, get involved in helping others and use the, t t uh, the uh, uh, talents and gifts that God has placed in your life and you'll see yourself grow and change. Lord, I pray for me 
in all of us today that, Lord, we would see the importance of the local church, get involved in the local church, and let the ministry office of the pastor pour into our heart and pour into our life. I pray for spiritual growth for all of us. Lord, I pray that collectively together we, we create a tremendous light in our community by ganging our resources together in the local church. I pray that the saltiness of the kingdom of God would expand all over the earth as we seek to not just hear the word, but put it into practice. Lord, thank you for your sovereignness, your hand upon us, your supernatural grace, mercy, and protection upon us. And I commit us to you in Jesus' name. I can't wait to talk to you next time. God bless you. Well, that's it for this week's episode. I hope it blesses you spiritually and helps you grow closer to God. Before you go, be sure to subscribe and leave a review. Um, those simple steps go a long way to helping us reach new listeners that need to hear these messages. Also, I would love for you to reach out to me with any questions or comments you have about the topics I discuss. My email is pastor at victorychurchraleigh.com and it's in the show notes uh, there on the screen you have. I'd love to hear from you. Thanks again for listening. God bless you.